Hey, let's give Jacob a big hand. For hurting the cats. And I was one of the ones that kept asking, what time are we eating? Do we have food tonight? I didn't read the email very good neither. So, hey, I wanted uh, to thank uh, y'all for um, praying for the men's retreat because it was like the best men's, men's retreat I've ever been on, really. I mean... It's process. I mean, I'm still processing. And, and the great thing about it that made it really sweet, we had Guy, of course, who's amazing. Yeah. But we had a lot of our guys, the Lord using our guys, releasing stuff. And and that was really particularly great because I was, you know, stuff would happen. And I'm thinking, I wonder how Guy's going to navigate all this now. <laughs> but it always brings something else to what the Lord was releasing which I thought was really sweet. So I don't know. You know, the Lord did a lot. Uh, I'm still processing. So it was a download from heaven. So I'm in the, you know how when you download new software and it takes a little bit of time for it to install into your operating? That's how I feel right now. You know, it's, it's installing. Okay, I don't know that, Lord, i got to work through some of this. This was so sweet. But, you know, here's the cool thing about it. If you're a man and you didn't go, guess what? You get it for, for free. Okay, because in the Bible, once uh, the Lord called the elders of Israel up to meet with God, okay, and they met with him, and two of them couldn't make the meeting. And guess what happened to those two? They got the anointing. So if you're a man and you couldn't come, all the men stand up. I'm going to pray for you. You get this anointing, okay? Because God is very generous and is gracious and doesn't, you know, divide like that. So he's, so, Father, raise your hands to the Lord if you're a man. Just raise it. Say, whatever you're given, just say, whatever you're given, Lord, I want it. I receive it. And I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. Now, Lord, I'm saying download now. And help me hit that install button. And you're going to do something in my life wonderful. In Jesus' name, amen. And you got to do it without losing sleep. <laughs> I figured this out. Here's how you get men. You get them sleep deprivation. That way you can really work them over. Because they're slow sleepy, they'll do it. You know, that's what the police do when they interrogate people. They, just, they keep them up all night. And finally it's like, whatever you want, I'll say, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I did it. I'm sorry. I, just let me go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so amen. Oh, so here's what I'm going to do now. Is Guy has some books, Okay. And uh, after, after Robert's going to be, they're $15 a piece. Uh, I'm going to tell you about them real quick. Uh, first of all, um, I was going to tell you about this one. It's called Turnings, the Kingdom of God and the Western World. The Kingdom of God and the Western World. If you're interested in getting more, a deeper understanding of the kingdom as how it applies to the United States of America and your daily life versus third world countries, you know, all the stories you hear. If you're interested in that, this book will, I can highly recommend this book. God really used this book in my life back uh, years ago when I was really seeking the Lord earnestly about a revelation of the kingdom of God. And this book really spoke to my heart. His books are very easy to read because he has lots of stories in them that kind of keep you engaged. So if you want that one, that would be great. Uh, Here's one called... 
our eyes fixed on Jesus, a sideways look at spiritual warfare. This is a very interesting book. This is what Roland and Heidi Baker said about this book. This book by our close friend Dr. Guy Chevreau is a tremendous resource. His careful study of scripture demonstrates a gloriously positive side to spiritual warfare. One that emphasizes the beauty and glory of our Savior Jesus and the all-sufficiency of the gospel. Isn't that amazing? So this is a little bit of a different angle on spiritual warfare if you're interested in that amazingly difficult subject at times. This one called, now I haven't read this book yet. I'm going on what the baker said, but they're pretty reliable, right? (laughs) They're pretty amazingly reliable. Okay. Revival. Uh, It's not fair. Grace that both offends and befriends. Now, this is a cool book. I started reading it, and it's got a lot of cool stuff. It's very real. Uh, you know, in fact, he uses some of the terminology I've used in it. But let me just give you somebody who... Uh, this is a, recommend, a great forward in the book by Bill Johnson of, of Bethel Church. He, this is just a little sentence he's put, but he did an amazing... There's so much he said in there that was really good. Guy has done a masterful job of bringing a clear sound to the subject of subjects grace. I found myself giving God praise from cover to cover simply because of the beauty of his heart that is so gloriously unveiled. The beauty of God's heart that Guy was able to unveil in this in this book. I think that's pretty cool. So this, this is a good book. Uh, and then finally, um, I don't know how, this is a, definitely a book I need to be reading probably. <laughs> Vital Signs of a Healthy Church. And it's a diagnostic and he has somebody I never heard on here, but evidently he's some important person <laughs> at Saint somebody's church in Oxford. So if you're in Oxford, you, you're important. Pastor of theology. So, you know, some vital signs is steeped in scripture, tradition, and, and experience. It's a fresh, authentic, practical, and inspiring read. Here's a book that helps you work with Christ to build his church. That sounds interesting, don't it? And so uh, I think these books are amazing. Um, and what I wanted to do, I have bought these books, okay? They're $15, but you can buy your own, okay? But, Jacob, I wanted to give you these books. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, putting up with, with all of our foolishness. <laughs> and Guy is a really good writer, and so is Jacob Whitlow. Yeah, so I wanted to thank Jacob. Very sweet man. Really did a great job putting up with a bunch of guy, you know, the cats, herding them. So thank you, Jacob. That's a very little token thank of appreciation. So we love you. Thank you. Love you too. Yeah. Thank you. He's a great man. He does a lot of good stuff behind the scenes. Jacob does a lot of good stuff behind the scenes. He's helped me out a bunch. He's hurt my feelings a few times. But, <laughs> you know, when you uh, are trying to learn how to write, okay, he's an amazing writer, but you start learning how to write and you send him stuff and he says, what are you talking about here? I don't understand this. It's like, what do you mean you don't understand it, Jacob? Everybody understands that. That's your first thought, but he really is amazing. I appreciate, appreciate Jacob and Angel. They're, they're great people. Thank you. So, amen. Guy Chevreau. Not Guy, but Guy. Let's welcome him. Guy has written a bunch of other books. Also, he wrote a book called Catch the Fire. Uh, it was back in the original Toronto where, and you know what, Guy? 
This is what I found out about Catch the Fire. It has a powerful anointing on it still. And he wrote that book in 94. I started rereading it when I was going to get him. I was getting some juice out of that book. Still, there's a, a lot of powerful stuff in that book. You had the same experience, right? Yes. So if you want to get some anointing flow and read Catch the Fire. Uh, but this is interesting. What he laid out there was sort of try to, uh, to try to theologically explain what God was doing back in 1990s in this revival, which how can anybody, you know, wow. That was an amazing thing. And it was amazing what he did. But I've discovered that. I, I read that back. And then I went back and read a bunch of other stuff that people did over the years of trying to explain what God was doing. And guess where they got most of their information? Out of Catch the Fire. I was I'm like, wow. This, so yeah, I was shocked, really, when I discovered that. And it's wonderful that they did that because some wonderful stuff, you know, explaining revivals historically, okay, going back into America's history and, and, and how God moved and what God did and being able to get, glean that in, in, in what the Scriptures teach. So, good job, Geesh of Ray. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wanted to get him, I know I'm talking a lot, but I want y'all to hear this. I wanted to get Gee, uh, you know, we love like the prophetic world and we've had a lot of prophetic speakers come to us and I love that. I will continue to love that. But I felt like God wanted something different for us this time because there's thing, I feel like God wants us to see him and see what he's doing in a little bit of a different way, okay? That's really important in my life. Is not getting dialed into one way of seeing the Lord. And that, that's what I love. I begin to research Gee and read his stuff and try to see where he was at. And I was really, it was like, wow, I love, I love how his approach, I love some of the things he said because it helped me sort of get a different view of God that I, don't, that I can't get by myself. I need, I need somebody else to, to give me that view. And so that's really, and that's what he's really done. And he, some of the things he said this weekend, stuff that I've wrestled with, with the Lord a lot, that he would, he, it, I, I feel like he's bringing some clarity to me uh, and some answers, some questions of how I, why I have felt the way I've felt about some things that I couldn't, I couldn't seem to resolve. So no pressure, brother. <laughs> None felt. Well, ladies, I so want to thank you for praying for us. Uh, you have a great bunch of guys. I, I so enjoy being with your men. And uh, knowing that you are back here uh, speaking blessing over us, the Lord more than heard your prayers. Um, bless you. Um, I, I do need to apologize. Uh, I left my toiletries at Camp Caraway. I, I usually do not show up looking this scruffy. Uh, good news is I borrowed a toothbrush from Byron. Uh, um, didn't borrow his toothbrush. I borrowed from. So that part's all, all good. But, uh, yeah, we had a great time. Um, this morning, just uh, to start up, let's pretend all messed up here. Let's pretend for a moment uh, that this is my life. It has my name on it. And uh, life is difficult. You've, you've got that 
figure it out? Um, I mean, is there anybody here that's floating through life in an insulated bubble and no scars, no worries? It's all just wonderful. Nah. Life's hard. There are, there are all manner of things weighing down on us, and sometimes it just feels kind of like that. <laughs> Some of you feel like that's your life right now. Some of you don't have to think too hard to know, yep, I know that. If, if it's not you right now, you just have to look to the left, to the right, a few seats, and there'll be somebody there who's well squished right now. On all manner of accounts, we all face crushing loads by times. At the men's retreat, I, I talked about renovation and, and restoration. That's how I paid for all my schooling, was uh, renovating houses, mostly kitchens and bathrooms. It's been the themes for the books that I've written about the restoring work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the life of the church. Renovating, restoring all that God made and meant us to be. Well, at home, if, if your renovation project is big enough, say you're going to put on a, a, a three-room addition, it'll require an architect. I mean, you, you ought not to, to just sort of sketch out your plans on a napkin and hand it to your builder. Uh, um, that would not be smart. <laughs> Somebody done that? <laughs> a, a, a big reno project requires... A measure of technical analysis. There are structural issues. I understand from Byron, you know that the hard way here. <laughs> issues of load bearing, <laughs> building code compliance. All of that because at the end of the day, you want to build something that's going to last, something that's going to stand the test of time. Well, one of the great theological architects was a man named John Calvin, one of the theological architects of what we call now the Protestant Reformation about 500 years ago. His, his work has certainly stood the test of time. I did my doctoral thesis on Calvin's instruction on private prayer, so I know my way around Calvin fairly well. His life's work was the Institutes of the Christian Religion, two big volumes. I have two, two different translations of the Institutes. There aren't many that would be able to say that. Fewer still who would really want to. But anyway, um, <laughs> book four of Calvin's Institutes is entitled The External Means by Which God Invites Us into the Society of Christ and Holds Us Therein. It's subtitled simply The Means of grace. And listen to how tenderly this great architect writes. He says, on the means of grace, 
Calvin says, I shall start with the church into whose into whose bosom God is pleased to gather his children. Not only that they may be nourished by her help and ministry, but also that they may be guided by her motherly care until they mature and at last reach the goal of faith. For those to whom God is Father, the church must also be mother. Now, as great a thinker as Calvin was, he wasn't an original thinker. Now, no disrespect intended. He was a scholar. And he was a lifelong student of the early church fathers. Much of Calvin's work is a synthesis, a gathering up of what the early church fathers wrote a thousand years ahead of Calvin. For instance, his quote, those to whom God is father, church must also be mother, that wasn't original. Back in 251 AD, St. Cyprian wrote, you cannot have God for your father unless you have church as your mother. 400 AD, St. Augustine wrote, you are safe, you who have God for your father and his church for your mother. And Calvin did his research. And all three of them, Calvin, Cyprian, Augustine, they drew all of that from a text like 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul writes this, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the all-merciful Father. He can, the God whose consolation never fails us. He consoles us in all our troubles so that we in turn may be able to console others in any trouble of theirs and to share with them the consolation we ourselves receive from God. As Christ's suffering exceeds all measure and extends to us, so too it is through Christ that our consolation has no limit. If distress is our lot, it's the price we pay for your consolation and your salvation. If our lot is consolation, it's to help bring us, help, is to help us bring you consolation and strength to face with fortitude the same sufferings we now endure. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, for we know that if you share in the suffering, you share also in the consolation. Ten times in that passage, in five verses, the word paraclesis, that consolation, that coming alongside. This is how Eugene Peterson paraphrases verse 4. God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Well, back to this squish cup being my life. Let's start all over again.
my life. When I was 17, God brought uh, four guys alongside. I'd started going to Young Life High School Ministry, um, not because I was interested at all in Jesus. There were just lots of pretty girls and not many guys, and I I thought I might have a chance. (laughs) But he, he brought Shane... Paul, Al, alongside Rob, and like the lame man in the gospel, those four guys carried me to Jesus. I I wouldn't have got there all on my own. At least I'd have wasted a lot of years getting there. It wasn't uh, a couple years later that I started going to a, a local Baptist church, Spring Garden Baptist Church. And two of the elders, Faye and Ray Binkley, came alongside. They uh, invited me and six, seven of my buddies to their house for a barbecue. And then we played penny poker. Now, you have to understand, Faye and Ray were strict Baptists. (laughs) They didn't play cards. They certainly didn't play poker. But they wanted us in their house Friday nights instead of running around like we were. Bless their hearts. They opened their hearts. They opened their home. Um, Faye, or Ray, rather, dropped dead suddenly about 10 years ago. About 600 people at his funeral. Just the kind of influence he had on so many lives. I bawled at his funeral. I got misty-eyed at my dad's funeral. Uh, About the same time, mid-70s, I was wondering what to do with my life. Pastor at Spring Garden Baptist, Bill Lewis, said, well, if you think there's a call of God on your life, try and stay out of the ministry. He said, if anything else satisfies, you probably don't have a call. It was true. Very true. I I went off to seminary in the East Coast of Canada. I'll spare you the details, but uh, the bottom got knocked out of my pail. And I did not know what to do with myself. My best buddy, Alex, got on his motorcycle, rode 1,200 miles just to sit with me while I was trying to study for my final exams. He'd sit there reading motorcycle magazines while I'm reading Greek. And, and, and I'd just go, I can't do this. And he said, yes, you can. Keep your head down. You can do this. One of my professors, Charlie, he came alongside. Great, big-hearted guy. He was wonderful. One of my favorite professors, Dr. Cherry, I resigned, or resigned, um, withdrew from classes, had to go off to Europe. I read a book by a guy named Anthony Bloom. He was living in London. That book has such a profound influence on me, I had to go find him and talk to him. Before I left, Cherry said, well, I'll love you if you go. I'll love you if you stay. I'll love you when you get back. He said, there's nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. 
I had never heard anything like that. Fast forward to 2008, another desperate time in my life, crushing time. Buddy Orv came alongside, said, what do you need and how can I help? My cousin, same time, looked at me and said, your blood, I'm going to get you through this. My best buddy, Nev, has saved my life from shipwreck (laughs) so many times. My kingdom partner in ministry, Kev, just last week, we had a meeting neither of us particularly wanted to go to. We're both really angry with the guy we had to meet with. The way in put my arm around Kev and said, I'm afraid I might lose it in this meeting. If I even start to get there, just look at me and say, don't. We're about 10 minutes into the meeting and he had to say, don't. And I just hung my head, took a deep breath and pulled it back together. So very grateful. (laughs) And then there's Carrie, my wife, dear, dear Carrie. For all these people, I am so very grateful. They've all come alongside, consoled me, especially when life was crushingly difficult. If we kept reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, The Apostle Paul said that the burden he faced was too heavy to bear. That by times he despaired of life itself. It's at those kind of times these good folks have shared the load. I've been able to manage. Not easily, but I have been able to manage. Those for whom God is Father, church must be mother. Without them, whoops, (laughs) usually this works really well. (laughs) Maybe it's a slippery floor. Anyway, I hope you get the point. (laughs) At least it didn't crush the life out of me. Those for whom God has father, the church must be mother. These folks have been that to me. I know because of them in my heart of hearts that God consoles us in all our troubles so that we in turn may be able to console others in the trouble they face with the consolation we ourselves have received from God. These dear people have not only come alongside and consoled them, consoled me, but God has used them to revive, to restore me, to reform and transform my life. I want to anchor this for you. Go back 
right to the very beginning, the first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings. That, that's the opening word in Hebrew, Bereshith, beginnings. Book of Genesis is what we call it. Verse 26 of chapter 1, God says, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. That's who we are. Made in God's image, his, his triune image. One of the mysteries of Christian faith, that we worship a triune God, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. The great minds of Christendom have wrestled with what that means. What I, I want to leave you with this morning is that God as Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, means that God's essential nature is relationship. You will, cannot know who God is outside of relationship. You can't fully know who God is without knowing Jesus. Because it's only the Son that can reveal the Father. And you can't fully know who God is without intimately knowing the Holy Spirit because that's the Holy Spirit's job to make known the Father and to glorify Jesus. Put it differently, you cannot know God alone. God is relationship. That's who He is. That's what He does. And we, made in His image, means that we are made, we're created for relationship. If we're not in relationship, something isn't right. Something isn't healthy. We cannot truly be ourselves all by ourselves. And then when there's a breach in relationship, something isn't right. Something isn't healthy. We're not truly ourselves. Well, for time's sake, make a big jump with me from Genesis to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11, Paul teaches on the Lord's Supper. And in that passage, Paul cautions the church that they should examine themselves, that they should discern the body. Well, throughout this section in 1 Corinthians, Paul's making, talking rather, in two different directions at the same time. He's talking about the body of Jesus and about the words of institution at the Last Supper when he broke bread and shared the cup. But he's also talking about what it means to be church. All of the next chapter, what we call chapter 12, is about being the body of Christ. Us being the body of Christ. Of belonging to one another. Of honoring one another. Of, of serving one another. The gifts that we're given for the building up of one another. And in chapter 11 when he talks about us examining ourselves and discerning the body, that some of 
that church in Corinth had eaten the body, taken the cup unworthily, such that some had even become sick, even died. Paul isn't saying that when we come to communion, we should scrunch up our eyes and imagine Jesus there hanging on the cross, pouring out his life's blood for us. That's not what he's saying in terms of examining ourselves. He's saying, you come as part of a body. You do not come as an individual. And the one sitting next to you may have the gift of healing that you need. And if you don't discern that, if, if you don't submit to the one sitting beside you, you're missing out. You're missing out what God has provided in your midst. But you have to honor one another in order to receive that. Your health, your well-being, the prosperity of your body and your soul, it's dependent on you being the body together. I, I encourage you this afternoon, make some time and, and make a list of the folks who have come alongside you when you needed them most. Make a list and spend some time giving thanks. Just blessing the Lord for those who've kept you from getting squished. Take it a little bit further. You, you might just send each one of them a text. Just saying thank you. Thank you that 2008, you came alongside and said, what do you need? You might take it further. You might actually get on the phone. Tell them about this Canadian and squished cups and do the best you can. But just say, I, I want you to know how important it was that you took me out to dinner. You might write a card. Find some way to honor these folks. Speak blessing over them. Bless them by name. Byron, I'm going to hand it over to you. You know your people. There are some folks who are desperately afraid that life is going to squish right out from under them. We want to pray for them this morning, but I'll leave you to orchestrate that. You know how that drill works here. For my part, I bless you all in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, I had a friend of mine uh, who was going through hell. I mean, it was like, you know, the top five worst things that could happen to you. It was, you know, up there, close to the top. And he 
shared that one of his buddies stopped by his house one night with some barbecue, a barbecue meal. And when he said that, a tear rolled down my face because I saw what, what he said in that moment. That's all the guy did. Just brought him, a, brought him some barbecue to eat just to let him know that he loved him. And those kind of things sometimes don't feel, don't, we don't count them as being real spiritual, but they mean everything. I mean everything. I know some of us tend to keep everybody like this for a lot of different reasons. Some of us, some of us, just personality. You know, you you just that's the kind of person you are, and there's nothing wrong with your personality, but. You know, I think that's one thing we all need to do this morning is just right here for other people. We need to take that down and let other people into our lives. I think that's really important. So I feel like that's the first thing I want us to do is if you're if you're one of those people who've got your, your wall up, I'm not talking about your boundaries, I'm talking about your wall where you're not letting people into your life, other believers in your life, you need to you need to take that down, put it down. Because that wall is, is, is not protecting you. It's little by little destroying you, little by little. So I want to just take a moment to do that. Would you like to do that? Anybody want to do that? Anybody feel convicted this morning? So... Ooh, why don't you stand up if that's you? If that's you, if you feel like you have some walls in your life where you've kept people out for for whatever reason. Now, that doesn't mean you just let people run over your life. Don't do that, please. But just tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I just need you to help me with this wall. I'm trying to protect myself. I'm scared. I don't like people. They've hurt me. I'm wounded feeling. But you've sent some people to my life I know that I've pushed away. And I'm sorry today. I ask you to forgive me. Just, just tell the Lord you're taking the wall down. You're just removing that stop sign. That you're going to let some people into your life that you that Lord that you're sending. And you're not going to keep push, pushing people away. You're not going to keep Guarding yourself against the people that God wants to use to love you and to care for you. Just tell him that. You need to tell God that yourself. I can't tell it for you. I need to tell God that for, for me because I've, I've been very guilty of that. When I get hurt or I feel messed up, what I want to do is I want to run away. I want to run from everybody. I don't want to look at nobody. I don't want to talk to nobody. Because I feel, I feel that thing we sang about. I feel shame on me. I feel like I'm a failure. And I don't want people to see me in my failure. I don't want people to see me in my broken conditions. That's what I do. And so I push everybody away from me. And it really hurts. 
to do that. So just let's just take a moment and let the Lord just do that for us to get that, get some healing going this morning. Lord, heal, heal us. Heal us from our hurts, Lord. Heal us from all the things that we've gone through in the past with other people that have hurt, kept us, Lord, from those people coming alongside us and, and, and carrying us in those moments where we couldn't carry ourselves. Some of you, you've been so hurt, like in your marriage, that it's just affected all the other relationships in your life. That, that is a very painful hurt. And some of you, have, some of you've been violated. I mean, literally violated on a personal level. That's made you very guarded. You know, the Holy Spirit this morning wants to touch that part of you. As painful as that is, let Him touch you. He is not going to expose you. He is not going to hurt you. Let that person of the Holy Spirit be the first person that you let behind that wall. Let Him come close to you. Let Him be the first person that I've taken the wall down. I've opened the door of my life. I want you to be the first person, Lord, that comes and touches me and helps me, heals my heart from these things. that for a moment. Let's just let the Holy Spirit do that. Just invite Him. He's good. We sing that. <laughs> if you believe what you're saying, now's a good time to apply it. Very powerful message, what He says. Very powerful. Very much on the Father's heart. Okay, here's another thing I feel. Some of you did some really bad stuff in your past okay I'm talking about bad stuff and you it has marked your life in a bad way now it's like it's still holding on to you because it was bad and you're afraid of how it could affect you now like if people knew well I believe the Lord has an answer for that this morning it's called his blood that he wants to free you from what you did that was really bad. And not let that determine your relationships now. I'm going to tell you this right now in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as witness protection. Where you live another identity to hide he said something I hope you caught it he said we can never be our true selves without others and we're all about seeking identity and being authentic but he gave us a key right out of the Bible we need other people to become everything we're supposed to be so you got to get out of the witness protection program and I'm going to tell you something there's some people that you really feel that you really know what I'm talking about not just a it's not just a a small thing but it's a big deal in your life it's like you're living a hidden life in a sense and the Lord wants to free you from that this morning he wants to do something for you 
let me say this. The Lord will never expose you. He will never expose something you did terrible. He will protect that for you. Because here's why he won't expose it. He's forgotten it. God has forgotten it. He wants us to be free of our past. Our past failures, our past sins, our past things we did that was really bad. So I want, if that's you, you really let the Lord begin to give you some healing and some practical wisdom on how to live a little different than how you've been living. Just let, let Him do that. You may need some wisdom. You may need some practical wisdom. Holy Spirit, just ask you to touch people in this room. Free them, Lord. Just free them. Free people, Lord. So we can begin to be free to be in relationships with other people. We don't have to be real guarded and protected and afraid. Now, here's a piece of good counsel. Actually, it's something Becky has. It's, it's her ongoing message to me. It's actually uh, in Guy's book on, uh, about grace. It's not fair. And it's kindness. If you want to have a good relationship with people, just be kind to people. That, that's, just be kind to people. Stop being mean to people. Stop suspecting people. Start treating with people with respect. Even if you feel like they don't deserve respect, give them respect. It may do something in them. It may trigger something in them. Listen, some of you in this room are threatened by other people too much. You're afraid they're going to steal something from you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're afraid they're going to steal your glory or your ministry or your thing. You got to quit that. You got to stop. That's insecurity. You got to let go of that kind of stuff. You got to ask the Holy Spirit to deal with that because that will make you a very hostile person towards people. You'll feel threatened by people. You'll feel like people are a threat to you. God doesn't want you to feel that way. If there is somebody that's a threat to you, the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. You'll know it. Like, "Mm, I need to stay away from that person. I need to keep distance from them. But you can do that without being mean to them. Just keep distance from them. If that's you this morning, you need to repent. You need to say, Lord, I'm sorry for feeling threatened. There's something wrong with me, not them. I need to let other people be who they're supposed to be. And I need to be able to celebrate who they are and not feel like it's a threat to me, like they're going to steal something from me. Am I talking to anybody out there about that? I'm talking to myself at least, you know. So let's just give other people freedom to be who they are. And I think in giving them freedom to be who they are, God will give us freedom to be who we are. And we can find out the people that that we may feel threatened by are the very people God has sent into our life to help us become everything we're supposed to be. Everything. That they are were sent as servants to serve us, the very people we feel threatened by. It's the devil. Are y'all good? Yeah. Holy Spirit, help us, right?
just waiting on some floor. I'm just going on with stuff I feel like the Holy Spirit's bringing into, up into my heart. Just give the Holy Spirit a moment to speak to you. inner healing okay let me just put it you've had enough inner healing you've had enough deliverance you've had enough that you need to the best way you're going to get whole now is for you to begin to step out and begin to act you can only receive so much you, you there's only a certain capacity that god is going to allow you to receive he wants to free you to begin to release and in the release God is going to meet your very need. And some of you have lived too long in the place, oh, I need God to help me do this. I need a healing. I need this. I need that. And, and it's almost like you have worn out every kind of method of inner healing and deliverance there is. And you're still in the same state. And I believe God is saying, I want to graduate you out of that. And in your graduation, you will become a healer. And you will become healed yourself. Because the best healers are people who have walked through destruction. But they didn't stop and lay down on a gurney. Jesus asked the man in the pool of Bethesda, do you want to be healed? That's what he said. Do you want to get up from there? Or do you want to spend your life laying there? Now, God was talking to that man. Of course I want to be healed. I've been, and everybody jumps in front of me. I got a funny feeling. There's something more to it. I believe that man's identity got wrapped up in being laid there. And he got secure in where he was at. And he got comfortable in where he was at. But Jesus came free that man to become the man he was supposed to be. So it's a graduation for some of you today that you can get your diploma. Let me say this. Let me say this. If there's anybody in this room that needed some inner healing and a lot of inner healing and deliverance in their life was me. But there came a point in my life is I'm going to never get fixed doing that. I'm going to get fixed by doing what God's called me to do. And that's when I begin to get really free of the really, the roots of these things, not the fruits of these things. Because I was dealing with the fruit. Are y'all following that? I was messing with all the fruits. The fruit's bad in my life. I've got to fix the fruit. And God finally got me down to where the root is. This is what's causing that fruit to be bad, Byron. But I, I didn't get that through counseling, which is beautiful and, and all that. I got it when I began to step out of myself and begin to do what I felt God had put in my heart and begin to become the person that God said I was versus the person I claimed to be. And versus the person that people who abused me and did bad things to me and hurt me and, and, and 
quit giving, living that identity. Are y'all following this? And that's what I hear him saying. So let's just get free this morning. So we can become those people right there. When our friends are hurting, we can go get where they can stand on our shoulders and get them through that bad moment. And, and when we get through and we walk through our next bad moment, our friends will like remember and they'll come to us. They'll bring us our barbecue dinner. Or they'll tell us they love us no matter what we do. I'm gonna love you no matter what you do. Because I love you and care about you. If you go, you go. I'm gonna love you. If you come back, you come back. I'm gonna love you. There's nothing you can do. That's that's the kind of friends I'm looking for. Friends that can look beyond my faults and see the real me. Woo, Jesus. Okay, I'm tired now. I want to pray for you. Let me just say this, y'all. I'm saying this. I'm saying it to me. I, I'm not claiming I'm anywhere on any of this. I'm, I'm in process. We're all in process. We're all. We're not going to be perfect until we look into his beautiful face. When we do that, everything will be done. But until that time, I'm in process. And if I happen to think I got there, God will send somebody in my life to let me know right quick, you ain't there. You got issues, bro. You know, every time I get in the bed at night, I got somebody right there to let me know right quick, you ain't right. I need that. Well, Lord, we just thank you today. Thank you for Gee. Thank you for this message he gave us. Woo, Lord, you're healing people right now. I believe you're doing something, Holy Spirit. I believe you're going after people at their very core. You're trying to shift us, Lord. You're trying to bring us into a new place in our life. You're trying to set the captives free. You're trying to open prison doors. You're trying to heal hearts, God. That's what you do. That's what your anointing is about for people. And that's what I see. I see God saying that. The Spirit of the Lord is here to to free, to heal, to deliver. And He's asking people to say yes to that. That's all He's asking. Just to say yes. Just yes, God. God, I want to become a ray. I want to be a ray. I'm tired of being that, God. You see that? I don't want to be that. I need to become a ray. To hold these people up. That's what I need to be. That's what you need to be. The whole, there's a crushed world out there that needs us. All right. Thank you, Lord. Woo, I don't, I don't, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you can, you, it's your job, not mine, I don't, you, he's given the word, I've given an exhortation now, Holy Spirit, it's up to you, it's between you and them, it's your business now, it's your business, Holy Spirit, not my business. You're good, you are good. You are good.
Let's get up and worship. And let the Lord heal us. And let the Lord take us from where we are to where we need to be. So you can become a healer. In His name, you can become somebody that sets other people free. All right, we're going to be worshiping in a minute. Don't let, I wanted to give David Starr, uh, I wanted to give uh, Gee an offering. Can you do two things at once? No. Men claim they can, they're lying. There's no such thing as multitasking. But if you take a moment, write a check, or you can use the app. He's on the app. The, yeah, he's on there. You can pull his name up. All the money you give goes to him 100%. We don't keep, we don't keep people's money. You start keeping somebody else's money, guess who's going to start keeping yours? You, you hear what I'm saying to you? You start keeping somebody else's money, somebody's going to get your money, and that somebody's got big hands. So I learned a long time ago, if it ain't my money, I don't want it. I'm just saying. The Lord bless ye. Give, give generous hearts here. And we'll give it all to him for your glory. All right. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh.